welcome everyone to episode 7 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Robert Winston this week. Robert, thanks for joining us. Obviously, it's been a monumental weekend for the Northern Football Netball League, culminating in the senior men's side, winning the number one spot on the WorkSafe AFL Victoria Community Championships. Obviously, it was a big weekend out at Queen's Park in Heighton and culminated with a great win by the senior rep side. What do you make of all that? Thank you so much uh, for having me on Episode 7, Samuel Zito. Uh, it's fantastic to be here. Um, it was a great weekend uh, to cover the game. We covered, covered it with the local uh, Geelong commentators. And, you know, Northern, you know, uh, being a proud Northern man myself, uh, it was great to see the best of the best from Division 1 and 2 across our leagues get the job done over the Geelong boys. And, um, yeah, i tell you what, uh, it was really due to that second and third quarter that um, our Northern boys really got the ascendancy over the Geelong um, team. And, you know, we found ourselves in an unassailable lead uh, sort of uh, early in that last quarter. So it was great to watch and uh, great to witness, you know, a crowd of approximately 5,000 people along with the Nepal Championships uh, up along uh, in the Geelong Barwon region. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was I think that's what probably made it so special as well, doing it away from home and, and going over not a hostile environment by by any stretch, but we knew you know, particularly with the, the senior men's footy side of things, Geelong's been the number one ranked side for so long. Lost the mantle last year when they went down to Eastern Eastern chose not to participate this year, so it was, I guess, a, a hanging number one uh, spot there where, where both sides were, were aiming for, for the win to, to cement their place at number one and to go and, and win at Geelong, which no league's done for... I don't think they have done to win away to you know, the Geelong Football Netball League away from home. It was, it was a great performance, and I think it... I mean, rep footy can... You, know, you, you see, it's all what it meant to the players after the game as well. Um, you know, they were, they were thrilled with the result, obviously, to Gary Ramsey and, and all of his support team as coaches, Gary's done a wonderful job over the last three years. We were you know, ranked five when he took the job on uh, going into 2017. Uh, three straight wins, you know, won well against the Western Region Football League uh, in 2017, winning that game by 20 goals. Last year, backed it up with a seven-goal win over the Mornington Peninsula Nepean Football League. And then to go to Geelong and, as you say, have the game sealed by three-quarter time was, was a great performance. And I think what, what made it special as well was the last quarter you could or the players could soak it up as well, realising what they had achieved. Geelong obviously showed some some really good signs in that last term, but by then, yeah, you really felt that the game had been run and won. So those second and third quarters, and early on, it maybe it didn't look likely. I mean, we'd started well without scoring, but two goals down early in the second quarter, but we just flicked that switch in the second when we really tore the game apart. I 100% agree with everything you just said there, Samuel. Um, you know, but it was no uh, easy feat to go up there and actually defeat such a talented side like uh some of the plays that they had um you know in in that in that in that in their Geelong side you know uh Brant Brant Haints uh Nick Dixon Jonathan Simkin uh Colhack boy a former Hawthorne Premiership player he was the captain for the Geelong side so it was no easy easy feat to actually go number one go up as you say not not necessarily a hostile environment but an unfamiliar environment and get the job done, and uh, it just really goes to show the talent, you know, on display for our local Northern League. And you know, we're, you know, uh, as you said, that floating number one, Eastern didn't participate, but it was definitely um, a proud moment uh, for all those players that did participate, led by Gary Ramsey, um, and getting the job done. You know, that's something that perhaps they might be only in the middle of their football careers currently, but that's something I, I suppose 
once they do retire one day, they'll probably look back in fondness, you know, a decade plus from now and, and think, you know, uh, you know, they did rise from that fifth position uh, and now they hold the number one. So it's, it's a fantastic uh, achievement to uh, Gary Ramsey and, and the uh, players underneath him. Yeah, well, and I think yeah, that's a, it's a great point you touch on. I think a few of them have already said that already. That when, It's when you probably finish up and, and you stop playing that these are the ones you, you look back on. We've got a, an interview coming up in a few moments' time with the co-captain Matthew Dennison and he touches on that I know Jesse Donaldson rather the other co-captains mentioned it and for Gary Ramsey himself as well um, yeah, he's obviously achieved, achieved premiership glory as a, as a coach um, you know, Matty Dennis himself you know, three time competition best and fairest winner three time premiership player but to see that something like this still means a lot to them is is obviously um, just shows the significance of, of what was achieved um, the, the game itself I mean there was winners all over the park for the Northern Footy Netball League uh, I thought obviously well, Nick Riddle won the medal for, for his role at, at full back but there was so many players on the day who you know, could have probably shared that honour Paddy Fitzgerald up forward kicked five goals um, you know I thought unstoppable through the, he was absolutely and some of the goals he was kicking were amazing I mean two from you know either either pocket from basically on the boundary line um, you know had to you know be seen to be believed straight through as soon as he kicked them I thought the midfield really controlled the game right throughout to, to be perfectly honest I thought you know Jordan Perry set the tone early Not from Northcote Park yeah, yeah absolutely uh, Jesse Donaldson um, Jesse Tardio as well. I mean, they were all industrious. Steve McCallum had a heap of the footy. And then out of the back line, I thought our ball use was great. Jai Robinson and Brandon Bailey as well. Often we were able to turn the ball over when Geelong were exiting defensive 50. We didn't seem to have the same issues moving out, but it really was a, it was an even performance and, and some great highlights throughout the game as well. 100%. Uh, look, I thought our midfield was you know impeccable on the day. Um, you know, led by, you know, the captain, Matthew Dennis, with, you know, he was uh, fantastic through the middle there, winning a lot of the tap-outs. I like the game uh, from Altham uh, midfielder, Anton Woods. I thought, you know, he really, I think, you know, obviously, you're playing rep footy, but I thought, you know, I saw him earlier this year, uh, I believe it was against... Whittlesey, it would have Whittlesey, been. Whittlesey, uh, and I love that. He was in my top three players that day. And I actually think he raised... His game, just from just uh, from watching him, and um, yeah, it was great to watch a player like him do his business. Yeah, and he, I think, what he brings is just that tenacity in the midfield as well. I think that's where we won the game. I think if it, and and Gary Ramsey touched on it as well. But when it's pl- probably if it was to be played on the outside with you know speed and skill, we're probably going to get beaten just purely because of the silk that Geelong had through their team. And we saw that in glimpses late in the first quarter, and then also through the last quarter as well, when our players probably started to fatigue just a little bit as well that they probably had us for skill but it was that that um, determination that, that I mean the physicality we brought to the contest as well you touched on Matty Dennis he was outstanding in the ruck also like Tom Blake coming in the backup ruckman we didn't we didn't drop in performance when when he came in as as a backup uh, ruckman certainly competitive when yeah. he, when he was um, you know t- Doing the tap tap at work at, at in brief moments with yeah, the quarters, yeah, and 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 hit out to advantage, but also you know, sneaks forward and, and kicks a goal as well. So it was um it was magnificent uh, the work that they were able to, to produce, and obviously uh, you were able to call probably the highlight of the game in terms of an individual highlight. Well, uh, yeah, the, it was a fantastic. Uh, our fellow commentator Milky uh, from the Geelong region, uh, he got a little bit excited there as well, but. Uh, yeah, Justin White, what a mark, what a mark. Uh, you know, that was a great moment for myself personally to, to uh, witness such a fantastic leap and, and obviously he, he stuck the mark on, on the goal line. 
And I think the most disappointing thing was that he actually went back and um, after he took such a great hanger, he actually missed the goal, which was a little bit deflating, but it was one of the finest marks that you'll see at a local slash representative level. So. Yeah, a bit stiff though. He was, on, he was put on the, the pretty hard angle and, and didn't do, do any favours for a left footer as well. So certainly the, the mark was... was one of the genuine highlights of the game. There was, you know, plenty going through. I think both of um, those two Fitzgerald goals that we mentioned early on were, were great highlights. And obviously for us, uh, on a, you know, as a, as a league, just to, to get the result on the day and have so many contributors throughout. I think it's a credit to the clubs as well for allowing their players to play. As you said from the outset, having players from Division One and Division Two in there as well. Uh, really, you know, there was great camaraderie within the group, and and great to see such talent out on the park. Which I know other leagues have, have struggled at, at times to to put their absolute best players out there. But our guys have really committed over over the course since Gary Ramsey took over as coach, and I think that showed on the day the fact that they were a cohesive unit. They were a tight tight group, and and they they played for for one another. So uh, I think all of that combined uh, and it created the uh, the perfect situation with our league taking the number one spot. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Sam. Um, you know, it's 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 funny how you say they were playing for one another. You could really sense that when they did win um, the game, it it really meant something to them. It was you could uh, a bunch of you know sort of you could say unknowns, but you know it's the, over the last three year period. But that camaraderie, you felt like they were part of like a, a really special type of team. And obviously they've built that up over the last uh, three seasons and, you know, it, it actually really did. You could feel it when I was taking photos, you know, uh, post-game of, of the group. You know, you could feel it. They That really meant something to them and, you know, it's a special moment. And, and, and uh, Gary Ramsey said, not only do we want to be number one, we want to defend it uh, in 2020. Yeah, and that's the, that's the other key thing is on. That's already, I guess, it's it's a good thing to hear that they're already looking ahead as to, as to what's to come as well. Obviously, enjoy it while you can because um, it is it is a great achievement to, to get us to where we, where we are. And, um, we, we thoroughly will enjoy being in you know, the number one ranked side, but what that also brings as well is, I guess, uh, you know, other leagues gunning for us down the track as well. So it's good that they've already got one eye on, on the, I guess, on next year. And obviously, we know that um, you know whoever it is we play, I believe it's going to be the Mornington Peninsula European Football League. But for any changes, but um, it, we're already prepared for for the challenge to come. Obviously, it was one of four games on the day for the Northern Football Netball League. Our senior women's football. Uh, team started the day, uh, taking on a combined AFL Barwon outfit. Unfortunately, weren't able to rack up their first win at rep level. Last year went down by a point in extra time. This year went down by 18 points to, as we said, a combined AFL Barwon lineup. Um, our best player was the captain, Catherine O'Brien. She took out the medal as the best NFNL player. Um, we had our chances early, didn't probably capitalise in the first 12 or so minutes when we had a lot of ball forward, made to pay with uh, AFL Barwon kicking two goals late in the first term, both through their skipper, Emma Allen, and then AFL Barwon able to, to hold a lead throughout. We, we did press. We closed within five points in the third quarter and it was still hanging around late in the game as well, but... Unfortunately, AFL Barwon probably took their chances better and, and won that one 5-7-37 to the NFNL 2-7-19. Not the result we're after, Robert, but it is great to see women's representative football alive and well. I mean, to have our, our second our second game of, of representative football when, you know, rewind to back to just 2016 and we didn't have a, a senior women's football team in the league, let alone a representative side. It's amazing how far it's come and to now have three senior competitions of, of women's football and to have a rep side out there, that was probably a, a highlight in itself, just getting the side out there. A hundred percent. Look, it's amazing to see uh, where women's football's come from. You know, it was... Uh 
you know, as you said, not not so long ago, you know, we were struggling to even uh, get young uh, girls teams on the park, and um, you know, it, the rise uh, from that junior level up to that representative level, it's quite quite astounding, quite amazing, and and it's really great to see all the young women aspire to be, you know, uh, the next um, Taylor Harris or you know, up to the AFLW standard because it's um, quite special watching, you know, the most talented girls uh, go about their business and and represent. Uh, our fellow Northern and Greater Barwon Lakes. Well, you mentioned obviously the junior pathways as well. I saw a press release come out earlier this week, and for the first time ever, there's a thousand a thousand girls teams in Victoria alone, or women's junior women's teams. So it's amazing to think that how far that uh, that it's come. That uh, the first time in in league history, or in I shouldn't say league history, because it's it's a combined effort uh, right around the state that you can have so many, um, you know so many female teams and 1,000 of those now uh, female teams playing across the state it's a, it's a great achievement and you just think that the talent level's going to spread far and wide you see some of the players already coming through that side I mean Chloe Moorcroft playing rep footy at 17 years old I mean the, these girls that are also going to take on the best of the junior programs this coming week in the uh, AFL Victoria Metro Junior Championships where we have two sides in action as well, two girls teams in action as well. They've now got a pathway to go through. So it wasn't necessarily just about the result. Obviously, there's no ranking systems in the senior women's representative space. Would have been nice to get the win, no doubt about it, but it's great that they're, they're able to... Um, you know, to, to get their opportunity on the big stage and, and hopefully down the track we've got greater success and, and the girls can, can lift up the cup which they deserve obviously a lot of work goes into it unfortunately AFL Barwon the better side on the day on, on Saturday uh, Yeah look you know, as, as you mentioned all those key points you know it's uh, fantastic that the juniors do have the pathway uh, these days but yeah look as far as the game goes I didn't think there was much difference between Barwon and, I and the Northern girls I agree I didn't think the, the 18 points was the final margin but it wasn't reflective it was just more the fact that they took their chances better than we, what we probably 100%, did 100% like, uh, I just think their uh, coercion between their mids and their forward probably uh, was the difference in the end they, they got a couple of cheeky goals out the back and you know that was really the difference in the end and there, was, there was definitely no uh, uh, discrepancy discrepancy as far as the standard it wasn't like oh, you're watching the game and thinking oh these Barwon girls uh, you know uh, ahead above uh, our northern girls it was just just came down to a few key moments and maybe a few lapses in concentration in the defence which ultimately cost us the game but you never felt like well, we're out of the game it's just a little bit more clean and crisp in front of the goal yeah and, and I think what hurt us the most was probably the start where we really were on top had the ball deep inside 50 for, for much of it and just didn't score which didn't put any scoreboard pressure on, on bar when, when they had their chances I mean their first forward 50 entry led to a goal and and then they were able to score one almost you know two or so minutes after that to, to lead you know comfortably at quarter time by 13 or 14 points in, in a low scoring game it probably did make all the difference but our girls you have to commend them never dropped their head um, kept fighting late um, as I said Catherine O'Brien was our best player that the skipper playing through both uh, defence and also at centre half forward also spent time in the ruck as well I thought um, there was also good performances from Nicole Blythe and, and Carly Coburn and our goals were kicked by Stacey Cross and Tamara Oldcorn um, Oldcorn's one was a highlight uh, third term where she had a snap around the body it somehow evaded two defenders on the line it was a shame worn leg break almost it was a left footer wasn't it yeah, from just, memory it just bounced around yep. and, uh, and, and bounced on end and, and evaded somehow the two defenders on the line but it uh, wasn't to be for us but 
We'll certainly be back and uh, we commend everyone involved in the program from Caroline Kilmartin and, and her support staff to, to all the players who went out there. And unfortunately, it, uh, we also didn't have success on the netball court. We went into the games against the Geelong Footy Netball League with a perfect record across our open and under-19 teams. We'd run 10 of 10 matches stemming back to the introduction of Nepal at representative level in 2015. But unfortunately, we were just no match for two unbelievably slick outfits from the Geelong Football Nepal League. Our under-19 Nepalers uh, went down uh, with a final score of 71 to 29, and it was even heavier, unfortunately, for the open side, losing 98 to 23. Um, we do commend, I guess, the, the girls who, who made the trip and, and went out there. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we were just beaten by a far or far better sides on the day, but Liana Sartori, um, she claimed the best a field uh, player or medal for the Northern Football Nepal League in the under-19s. And and, uh, it was uh, Grace Markovic who claimed that honour for the open side, which is a great effort, playing open Nepal. She's only 16 years of age, and probably her moving into attack in the last quarter was was a real highlight. She she really gave us an option, but she'd also done well um, playing at at the other end for for the opening three quarters as well as goalkeeper. But yeah, it just wasn't our day, and, and Geelong, to be fully commended, they were outstanding and, and really set the tone from, from the opening quarters in both games. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to actually witness the under-19s game and uh, they had a tall target there. Look, I'm obviously unsure of, of the name, but, uh, you know, our defenders, you know, kind of had to feel a little bit sorry for them because this girl, this shooter was, you know, uh, you know, probably six foot four and just, you know, taking, you know, uh, catching everything and scoring just about every time she got the ball uh, within the uh, scoring attack zone. So, uh, look, uh, commemorations to our girls. It was a mighty effort. And just for the simple fact that they get up there and get the experience of playing, you know, a really high-talented side will do them really good in the future. And, and I mean, we've had... Uh, it was a regeneration this year. I guess the, the 19s, obviously, each year that, that side's going to turn over as, obviously, the different players become ineligible with with the age restriction there. But the open side, definitely, we've had a, a, a strong team that we've kept together for quite some time. This is a different-looking side. So, as you say, provided an opportunity for some, some players to, to get their first taste of representative uh, netball, and they'll be better for the experience going up against the league, which... Uh, without doubt, it, it very well probably the strongest netball league uh, in the state and uh, on their court as well. Obviously, it's the outside, outside conditions as well. Uh, it was a warm day um, yeah, I mean, from, from our end, g- gave our all, but uh, beaten by better sides uh, on the day. So uh, again, um, to the coaching staff of, of both sides. Uh, Julie Hibbert from the open side and, and then also yeah, into the under-19s where Jackie Harrington took over as well. There's, there's plenty to work with going forward, but uh, unfortunately that, that perfect record that we were uh, that we took into the games was, was brought to an end, but it's still uh, it's still not bad. Ten, 10 wins from 12 games and we'll certainly be, better, take that. We'll certainly be better for it. Obviously, while we're on the representative front, we're going to uh, now have a chat to the co-captain of the senior men's representative side, Matthew Dennison. Uh, we had a chat to him after the game as uh, he just went through what it meant to obviously lift the number one trophy at the end of the, of the game. Obviously, he's been such a massive part of the Northern Football Netball League representative program for, for quite some time. Obviously, been an absolute superstar in the competition for a decade. And we caught up with Matty Dennis and he just went through what it meant to him to lift the number one cup after claiming the 2019 WorkSafe AFL Victoria Community Championships win over the Geelong Football Netball League. 
Joining us now on the NFNL podcast is the co-captain of the NFNL Senior Men's Football Representative Team, Maddie Dennis. Maddie, congratulations on your performance at the weekend and having such a big part in getting the NFNL to the number one spot on the AFL Vic Community Championships rankings. Uh, for someone who's been part of the program for, for quite some time, what does it mean to, to get that number one spot? Um, yeah, really good feeling. I think, um, you know, it has been something that we've been chasing for a few years and um, uh, the boys have bonded really well together and, um, yeah, I think our performance on Saturday just showed um, that we are, you know, um, one of the best competitions in Victoria and now um, to get that number one spot and, um, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, boys are wrapped and, and, and so am I, so... You've obviously been played a massive part, and I think you've you've only missed rep footy once in, in the, since the time it came back to the league, and that was last year. When I think you missed through injury, but what is it that for you that, that gets you to I guess uh, to, to participate in it each year and have such a big part in the program? Um, I think for me personally, I think it's probably one of the um, highest levels that I've, I've been able to play. Um, a couple of years of VFL footy, but um, I think this standard that we're playing with the best uh, players from our competition is as good as as good as that standard. Um, there's a lot of guys from VFL clubs in that as well and um, so it sort of just gives you a chance to sort of, you represent um, the league and, the, and, and your own club but yourself as well and it's um, yeah, definitely I think it's something to be proud of and, and something that um, is good to be achieved to be able to pull on the jumper. Um, yeah, and I, I think the friendships as well. Um, I've made a lot of friends uh from, from players from other teams, you've got a lot of respect for them, I suppose, uh, as players, but um, to meet them off the field and see what the guys are really like, I think we've really bonded um, playing together over over that period of time. So, um, yeah, it is something very special. In terms of, I mean, obviously, a player like yourself, you're obviously so highly regarded throughout the competition. You've won everything there is to, to win, I guess, you know, three premierships, uh, three competition best and fairest. But where does, I guess, playing rep footy and now getting this number one mantle, where does that stack up for what you've been able to achieve as, as a player? Um, yeah, look pretty high. I think, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to beat the, the premierships. I think they go down as, uh, as the best thing that you can achieve because... Um, a lot more work does go into um, the pre-season and the training and, and everything, um, and you play the whole year as a group, and um, yeah, you can play, and that's what you play footy for, to win those premierships, but um, you know, for, for a lot of the guys that didn't um, sort of, I, th- I think it's probably more for them, um, there's a lot of players that won't play finals, um, and, and haven't played in premierships, and uh, yeah, that, that feeling of getting the cup and jumping in the photo and everything, um, I think, yeah, that was pretty uh, oh, it was a lot of fun on, on the weekend and you know I think that's um, a popular highlight for, for some of the boys With, the what do you I mean what do you put down the, the win to obviously we had massive second and third quarters but is there anything in particular you, you put it down to for us to obviously get that dominance on the game I think um, yeah we definitely got on top of the midfield um, you know uh, I think our um, hardness and inside ball was really good um, and then also uh, our uh, our, well, I suppose we had winners all over the ground. Nick Riddle was taking um, plenty of intercept marks across the back line, and then we had Paddy Fitzgerald and Liam McVeigh taking plenty of marks up forward. Um, so I think we just sort of had winners right across the board. I don't think anyone... Um, I mean, Riddle was obviously a standout, but, um, and, and Paddy Fitzgerald as well, but um, I, I think we just sort of had a really well-rounded team, and, and that was sort of what got us over the line in the end. What's it like being captain of, of this team? Obviously, you and Jesse have done it for, for quite some time now, but obviously it's a, an honour to be involved in the program, but to actually be captain as well, does that mean something extra significant for you as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've, I've never sort of 
apart from uh, being part of the employee, uh, having the co-captain with Jesse, I've never been a captain before, only sort of a vice-captain um, at stages. So, yeah, it is something pretty special, and, and it's one of those things that I, I enjoy doing now. Um, being a bit older, I like to sort of um, help out and, and be a leader and um, pass on my experience and, and try and drive younger blokes to get better at their footy as well, and I think that's probably what I get out of it. Obviously. Um, Obviously now we've got the number one ranking, but um, I guess there's other leagues that down the track are going to be gunning for that title as well. Is it something that you'd look forward to, to doing again And as we try to, I guess, uh, retain that title in, in years to come? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, now, now that we've sort of got there, um, you sort of don't just sort of drop your bundle and just uh, you know not worry about it next year. Um, I think um, it's something that we want to defend and, and hold um, over the next few years, uh, but um, yeah, it'd be something I'd, I'd definitely be um, interested in, in doing it again. It just um, depends on how my body holds up. But at the at the same time, there's also um, a lot of ruckmen that have come into our competition now, and, and I, I sort of um, feel the way the competition is at the moment. There's uh, plenty of players that could easily come into the side and, and replace me or um, anyone else. So um, it just shows the strength of our competition. So. Um, I'm sure no matter what happens next year, whoever um, pulls on the jumper will have a very strong side and will we'll defend it strongly. And, and one final one, mate, obviously for your club, Bandura, is a massive game coming up this weekend, travelling to War Memorial Park to take on the undefeated Greensboro. Obviously a massive occasion for, for you and your club. Yeah, absolutely. We've been sort of a bit up and down this year. We've got um, you know, a new coach, a new game plan, and, and um, it's all sort of going pretty well for us. I think we've been playing some pretty good footy, um, but, you know, Greensboro have been the benchmark so far this season, so um, been really looking forward to this one so we can sort of get a really good gauge on where we're at. Well, Matty, thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on, uh, on leading the charge over the weekend. A great achievement, and uh, well done to you and, and everyone involved. No worries. Thanks, Sam. Cheers, mate. Robert, certainly great to hear from Matty Dennis there. Obviously, we had the representative games at the weekend, which meant that we didn't have action in both Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 nor A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, but both of those competitions return this weekend. So the games for us to look ahead to, we have Hurstbridge hosting North Heidelberg at Ben Freelay Oval. McLeod, having finally broken through for its first win in Round 5, is looking to double its win tally when it takes on Lowell Plenty at DeWinton Park. Montmorency is bouncing back, uh, or looking to bounce back after a heavy loss to Heidelberg, as is Northcote Park, who went down to North Heidelberg last up. So those two sides meet at Montmorency Park North. Heidelberg is at home to West Preston Lakeside, and probably the the biggest game is being played at Greensboro War Memorial Park, where it's two sides who are currently inside the top five. It's Greensboro at home to Bundura, but it's obviously a big weekend. Rob, we have just had a break. There's now two weeks until we head into the Queen's birthday weekend. It's been a stagnated start to the year, but you look at those games and every side's obviously desperate to to get any win they, they can on the board, but there's some really important ones and Probably none bigger than Greensboro taking on Bandura at Greensboro War Memorial Park. Yeah, Samuel, it's going to be a huge clash, and uh, luckily enough, we're going to be there to cover it on Plenty Valley 88.6 FM, and uh, it's going to mean a lot to actually be there and witness that because uh, we did see Bandura uh, defeat uh, North Holderberg earlier this year. They outplayed them for three and a half quarters before, obviously, North Holderberg. Uh, stormed home and nearly claimed the victory. So they, they are capable, Bundura. We, we've seen them actually compete with the best side, in my opinion, um, so far from what I've seen, and, and defeat them. And obviously the class in Greensboro, 
led by Tommy Bell and Charlie Molyneux um, on their home deck. You know, they're going to be a formidable uh, side to beat um, at War Memorial Park. But you feel, you feel Bunder, if they bring their best... They're going to be half a chance, half a sniff to actually get the victory. And they've given Greensboro some, some grief in, in the past 12 months or so. I think the, the interesting thing here is Greensboro is now the only undefeated side. Uh, five and, and zip. Bandura's three and two. This is huge for both because Greensboro obviously don't want to fall back in the pack. They've got the advantage now and they have, have that extra win up their sleeve in that important race for a top three spot and, and a double chance in the finals. Bandura... You know they had that loss to McLeod last up, and and what that does now that just leaves them precariously placed. They're in fifth. They're a game and percentage ahead of the next best side in, in Montmorency, who's sixth. But if they had a one back in round five, they probably I know it's so early in the year, but they they're looking the goods. They would have been two games and percentage clear of, of the rest, and and looking like you know a finals bound side. They had a slip up, and it's costly. And now, if they go down to Greensboro as well, it might just be percentage that holds them in there. So they're going to be absolutely desperate for, for that win. They had a few players play rep footy at the weekend who performed obviously so well. Matty Dennis, obviously the the main one there, but uh, also you know young Dale Marshall had a, had a taste as well of, of senior representative footy. Greensboro's on fire. I mean, you mentioned Tom Bell. There'll be interesting to see whether he comes up for the game. He's um, obviously had a, a couple of weeks out with a hamstring injury. Obviously, couple that with the the break we had, he might be due to come back it'll be interesting to see there I have heard his name brought up in in discussions about mid-season draft as as well so that'll be interesting too obviously coming straight out of the AFL system as it's creeping up on us uh, very quickly yeah well I think next week it is so um, you know whether he potentially you know Greensboro loses him who who knows so that'll be a big one Tynan Smith played VFL footy on the weekend as well for Essendon so Greensboro maybe if he keeps his spot there could be without a, a couple of their stars but they're setting the benchmark with uh, a few of the others, obviously Heidelberg, North Heidelberg and North Park are right up there as well. But Greensboro as the only undefeated side. You have to say at the moment, they are the benchmark. They've only conceded an average of 50 points a game, scoring you know close to you know more than 110 points. So they've been dominant in their victories. But, but this is a big test. A couple of the other games, I mean, um, looking around, Hurstbridge finally has its uh, first win on the board. So unfortunately for them, they have to break directly after. I think when you've taken so long to get a win, you probably want to play continuous games. So you hope it doesn't hurt their momentum, but they're going to go in as, as the underdog against North Heidelberg, who we saw a couple of weeks ago in taking down both Heidelberg and Northcote Park, and, and they've been in, in dominant form. Yeah, unbelievable form. Uh, North Heidelberg, we've been privileged to you know cover three of their games this year, and uh, they've improved uh, on occasion by occasion. That they just seems they're they're growing under Boomer Harvey North Holderberg, and um, you know obviously the the likes of Shane Harvey, um, you know Tardio, and and also uh, Baddeley Kelly. I mean these are some key players, long and bigs. You know they 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 are a formidable unit, and then you, you add in the class and uh, the old school silk of Daniel Harris, and they've you know you know you look at it on paper, you know age they say is just a number, but you know um, you know. Uh, for footballers, they're getting on beyond the years, but they're, they're not showing it. And they, week in, week out, they just seem to be uh, like Benjamin Button, growing week by week. And um, yeah, they're f- definitely a formidable side. Absolutely. In, in red-hot form, I think um, you, you see the the growth in North Hyderabad. When you look at the rep side on the weekend, and you've got you know, Baddeley Kelly in there, Nick Matthews uh, was part of that side, Jesse Tardio. I mean, the, the list goes on. I think there was four players in, in the end who... Um, 
who played as, as part of the rep side on the weekend, and that's a side that was playing in second division only two years ago. So there's some uh, some genuine you know star quality through that lineup for for North Heidelberg, and um, yeah, obviously they're going to go in as, as the favourite away to to Hurst Bridge. And um, looking ahead, I mean McLeod's going to be favourite against Lowell, but they can't afford a slip up. If they win that one, it's it's the draws just opened up a bit for McLeod. They're obviously they got that important win at Bandura. Uh, prior to, to the break, but if you look at their, their upcoming fixtures, they've got Lowell Plenty this week, followed by Hurstbridge next week, so they're a chance, they're going to be favoured in both, um, they're a chance to maybe get back to, to three and four, and then they can build something from there, obviously going to have to play catch-up after losing their first four, but you wouldn't put anything past them, I think of the sides who are currently out of the five, they're the one that are most capable of, of putting a stretch of wins together and, and working their way up. Montmorency Northcote Park will be a good one as I said both coming off really heavy defeats and Heidelberg's going to be the favourite against West Preston Lakeside and it's amazing to think that West Preston Lakeside we said it last week the only side without a win in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 and they're of course the reigning premier for la- from last year so they've sure to um, I mean their pride's been dinted no doubt about it you wonder whether the week off just gives them a chance to um, you know, get back together as a collective group have a chance to refresh and, and now reset and, and go again, but it's going to be a pretty tough task against Heidelberg at Warringal Park. Uh, 100%, Samuel. You know, uh, I do believe, though, you know, uh, even though West Preston, you know, haven't got their, their win so far, we're, we're what, up to round six of the uh, of the season, um, you know, you wouldn't predict that from, you know, any, any West Preston side. They're always up and about and always pushing for finals. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be no easy task against Heidelberg this week. Um, they're going to have to bring their... Best performance, West Preston. But what I would say is that um, Division One being such a high class of competition, you know, you wouldn't want to be the favourite and and rock up just thinking things are going to happen. Because I believe that any side on their given day, if they play their best footy, can beat any other side within that Division One league. So that's the great thing about Division One. You've always to be on your toes because the next side who you're playing is always going to be uh, looking. You know, to knock you off your perch. And that's the thing for West Preston. They're, they're out of form, but if you go through their list, there's some genuine match winners right throughout that team. So um, they've got... It, it's capable. They were probably What's probably disappointing most was their last loss against Greensboro because they got a few players back into the lineup on that day and, and the, the gap between the sides was so big. But, um, you know, if sooner or later it's going to click for them. So um, they'll be thinking, well, why can't it be this week? Obviously, they, they need some things to go their way, but um, they are capable on their day. I mean, we saw Liam McVeigh on the weekend have a massive impact across centre-half forward. You've got Ahmed Saad at full forward as well. If those two have a day out, you're capable of kicking a winning score. And then if they get Sam Glover back into that defence, couple him with you know Jackson Clark, who's had to spend time in the ruck, I know as well. But Nathan Valadares, you've got the you know the nucleus of a great defence, and then the midfield talent is still there. Maybe not to the same level as last year with a few players they've lost, but when you've got the likes of Federico La Rossi, you've got the building blocks. It's just now a matter of of getting back to that form and getting an even contribution across the board. I mean, I'll, I'll be tipping Heidelberg, but as you say, you, if you're the Tigers, you can't be too far you know from your best because he can get shown up in this competition. A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. We move into round six there as well. Banyul is at home to Diamond Creek. Uh, we've got Altham who hosts Watsonia at Altham Central Park. Thomastown is at home to Epping at Main Street Recreation Reserve. And for mine, the best of the games will be played at Sir Douglas Nichols Oval where the Fitzroy Stars are at home to Whittlesea. Banyul's obviously the only undefeated side in that competition, but Thomastown's, you know, 
presenting a claim as, as maybe the next best in the line. They're currently second. Whittlesey and Altham round out the top four. It's a crunch weekend for sides like Diamond Creek and Watsonia. They're both going to be underdogs away from home. But if they lose this, they really start to lose touch with the top four. And then maybe the round's biggest of all for the Fitzroy Stars, who are currently sitting in seventh spot. We know they're capable, but they're now one and three. They've already lost to a couple of sides inside the top half of the table, uh, namely Banyul and Thomastown. Thomastown. Also, Diamond yep. Creek, who's in fifth had the upset win at home to Altham. But if they were to lose this weekend to Whittlesey, it would be a record that would put them at 1-4 and four for the year against the sides that are currently 1-5, through to five, and they'd then be a long way off in terms of hoping to play finals. Could be three games outside. This is... Well, I know it's early, but it, it could be make or break for the Stars. They, they have to respond this weekend. Yeah, uh, look, it's imperative that they get the win this weekend, 100%. I was lucky enough to watch the Fitzroy Stars up at Thomastown on Anzac Day, and I, and I thought, you know, they were the best side probably for three quarters, but they just couldn't, uh, you know, put the final touches at, you know, that 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 class um, right at the end. That but they had plenty of the ball. The way they trans transition the footy when they get going, they've got some extremely quick quick plays. You know, Proctor um, uh, headlined by their superstar full forward Heta. Um, you know they're a formidable unit, but yeah, you're right there, Sam. They must get off with a good start this weekend against Whittlesea because if they go one and five, uh, sorry, one and four, mm. they're going to be struggling to catch that uh, leading pack in the top four. I mean, one thing that works in their favour, their percentage is, is healthy enough. It still hovers around the 84, and that's, I mean, that's probably in part it was great. It was better than that until they had the, the heavier loss to Banyol. weren't helped by the fact they went into the Banyol game under man, but it has to be said. Banyol didn't have, you know, James Christoradis and, and Tim Martin, who were arguably their best two players as well. So um, they just they just must get wins. And it's not that they haven't been competitive in their losses, but you just, you've got to bank the wins, don't you? So, so that's a, a massive one. St. Mary's has the bye, obviously. A shame for them, notched their first win, had the rep weekend off, now another bye as well. So that just holds momentum for them as well. But looking around, I think it's safe to say between Banyol and Diamond Creek, the home side's going to be favourite Banyol. You'd think likewise at Altham Central, where Altham takes on Watsonia. Altham do have a few injury concerns that they're currently dealing with. Watsonia started the year well, but have dropped their, their past couple of games and have slipped out of the top four now. And, and Thomastown will, given the fact that they're in really good form, having won their past four games, and, and some of those pretty convincingly as well, um, You know, taking on the, the side without a win in Epping, you, you'd back them in as the favourite there. So I think the Stars and Middlesex is the one really to watch. And I guess it's another big weekend, we, in particular for, for Diamond Creek, because they're a side that had finals ambitions when the year started. They've already lost games to Thomastown, Whittlesey and also to Altham who currently sits second, third and fourth. Now they play the side that's first. I think it's similar to what we just mentioned about the Fitzroy Stars. They have to win to stay in touch with the four. But also you have to win to to prove your finals credentials anyway. I mean, if you can't beat those those sides that you're battling against, you're not worthy of the final spot as well. I know it's only early, early in the year, but after this weekend, we're a third of the way in. And if you're you know, loitering two games outside the four, it's, it's tough. You, you want to get those early wins on the board. Never easy chasing a finals position. You always want to be sort of, you know, points or if not percentage in front of the pack who are chasing you. And 100% Diamond Creek, you know, uh, up against a formidable Banyol, uh at their home deck at mm. uh, Beverly Road Oval. It's going to be, you know, um, a tough, tough assignment. But, you know, it, it, it's just amazing to see, um, you know, how far Banyol's come from in such a short period of time. And in two years, they've gone from Divi 3 
all the way through. Won the premiership last year, obviously. Um, and well, the year before that, sorry, last sorry, year third in in, in sorry, the second uh, division. Sorry, uh, in their yeah. So twenty seventeen, they won the flag, and you know now they're dominating division two. So it, it goes to show you what a professional unit they are. And um, obviously, Scotty Gummelton's down there, the big full forward, former we, Essendon player. You look through the list, I mean, it's got Division 1 quality right through. I mean, I know, as we mentioned, Chris Rath and Martin, who didn't play last up, but Division 1 quality players. Brent Stanton's in there, Ricky Dyson as well. Um, you know, they, they bat pretty deep, and, and you're right. It's I mean, look at last year. They finished third, um, made a prelim, and probably the, they were the form side going into the final series, um, beaten by Lowell Plenty in the prelim, but how did they made the grand final? They had beaten Eltham in the previous game between them, so haven't put a foot wrong this year. So they're they're for mine. They, I mean, I know it's a close competition, but they are they're at the moment for me. They're a step above, and, and the rest it's a close pack. But they're all chasing Banyol. Yeah, it's it's funny you say their classes like uh, Division One Banyol. Uh, we actually did see them in the preseason against Hurstbridge, and I'll tell you what, for three quarters they were they were actually in front. I think Absolutely. By, by one point in the. Now, I know it's only a pre-season game, but from from what we uh, saw from that side, they they got Division One class all over the field. But obviously, um, Hurstbridge had that that sort of uh, probably Division One. Um, we said there's the fitness in the end and that, fitness, that, that, yeah. that, that burst late but you're right I know it's only a practice game but still um, you, you, you play them for that reason to prepare for a season and, and it was the last practice game for Hurstbridge going into the year and yeah Banyol took it right up to him so you're right up at three quarter time and I think lost in the end by five or so goals but for, for a long for part a long of that game we thought they were going to well that was our first call of the year and we thought they were uh, definitely a huge chance to win that game, but um, yeah, so they are certainly Division Two's premier side at the current stage. And now we move into Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three, where the action continued over the weekend. Um, round six saw Panton Hill twenty-three goals, eleven one forty-nine defeat Mernda fourteen eleven ninety-five. That game a real shootout, and I guess the the first quarter in particular set the tone. Panton Hill put through 10 goals to Mernda's three. At halftime, it was 109-53. to 53. Credit to Mernda, actually won the second half of that game when it probably looked like it, it could become a 100-point-plus a uh, result. Yep. But Mernda fought it out. Heidelberg West got its third, uh, fifth win in a row, 15-11-101. Defeated Old Altham Collegians, 9-8-62. Heidelberg West had to come from behind there. Set, trailed 7-25 to at quarter time. Could have been greater. Two scoring shots to 10 in the first quarter there. Old Altham, it's becoming, unfortunately for them, a theme. They've had a couple of games where they had the draw and the close loss to Kilmore where they probably just didn't take their chances. And on the weekend, you know, 10 scoring shots to two. If that's a you know six-goal buffer they have at, at quarter time, maybe it's a different story. But in the end, Heidelberg West going on for a 38-point win. Lorimer led at all, all changes uh, in their 14-488 to seven goals, 10-52 win over Kilmore. Uh, that result keeps Lorimer at the top of the ladder, six wins undefeated. Kilmore slipped to fifth as a result, and that's also in part because South Morang, 11-13-79, defeated Laylor in the round's closest game, the Bloods 10-13-73, so a six-point win for South Morang. Getting used to, to playing close games in 2019 South Morang, but for the absolute blowout that they had when they were uh, defeated heavily by Panton Hill, you, you look through their results and in round one, came from behind to beat Kilmore by six points. Round three, lost to Heidelberg West by five points. Round four, had a draw. And now round six, win by a goal. So it's four of their six results decided by margins of, of a goal or less. So 
they are becoming uh, a side that's uh, enjoying a close finish and for them, two wins, a draw and a loss, it's not a bad result from those four close games. So they're back in the top four, albeit with a, an unhealthy percentage that still lingers at 81, but 14 points from six games gets them into fourth spot. But from those results, obviously, the big stories are, are Lorimer and Heidelberg West keeping their unbeaten streaks alive. Um, Laylor obviously moves back into the four, and uh, suddenly sides like Mernda uh, and Old Altham Laylor also as well, who are capable at their best. They're, they're losing touch with the, the top four as it currently stands. But it's a, a big weekend coming up. But, but what did you make of, of the action over the weekend? Well, I, I think it's amazing, uh, personally knowing uh, what uh, Jocelyn Sherman's doing up there. Up at Lorimar, uh, six rounds in, we find them undefeated, 6-0. and oh, And they've obviously continued from when I left there last year, that same... You know, that same mentality, that all-in mentality. And, um, you know, they're, they're going from strength to strength. And, you know, they've beat, already beaten, you know, a couple of close games. They they defeated Mernda by a kick and also Penton Hill by, you know, a point. You know, and obviously those results could have gone either way. But the fact is they are 6-0. and uh, And along with Panton Hill, I, I think um, Lorimar and Panton Hill are probably the two... Um, Premier sides in Division 3. Uh, and I think it's interesting you say that because I think most people are of the same opinion despite the fact that Heidelberg West actually sits between them in, in second without a loss. But I guess for Heidelberg West, their credentials are going to be tested in the next two weeks. They've got, first off, a trip to Panton Hill this weekend to play in the Twilight game. Uh, of course, uh, that at AE Cracknell Reserve. And the week later, they're at Lorimer. So they play, take on the two sides that they're, they're up there in the top three with, both away from home. Currently, their five wins, they've only beaten one side that's inside the top four, which was South Morang, who they trailed by five goals and had a real character-building win. So that's a, it's a massive couple of weeks coming up for Heidelberg West to, to really prove themselves. It's great what they've already achieved so far, but if they can pinch even just one of those one of those two, they're, they're on track for potentially a top two finish, which is a great result. But I think more than anything for them, they're, they're looking at first just banking a finals win, uh, sorry, a finals place, Spot, yeah. and then and then building from there. And I think you're right. I think Lorimer and Panton Hill probably have the, the highest expectations going into this year. I think both would have said that you know, anything less than a grand final appearance would be seen as probably a failure. I mean, Panton Hill obviously were you know, in the grand final last year. Lorimer was building right to it. Obviously, um, St Mary's goes out of the competition winning the flag and, and no one came, came back down. So Lorimer would have really had their eyes set there. So uh, looking ahead to this weekend's action... And uh, we have round seven. It's amazing to think we're already past the <laughs> yeah. uh, one-third of, of the way through the year. But this weekend, Lorimer is away to Reservoir at Chris Park. So the power, the only un- uh, or one of two undefeated sides, are taking on a, the only side without any points to its name in Reservoir. So they're going to start as, as heavy favourite. Laylor is home to Kilmore. That's a game that both sides would have winning ambitions in, in that one. Laylor's best footy is... is you know, as we saw on the weekend, very nearly beat South Morang, just fell short there. Both sides had some injury concerns, but the Bloods just run out of gas a little bit late. Kilmore were there looking to bounce back, having had their three-game winning streak ended. Mernda is at home to Old Altham Collegians. The good thing about that game, one side's going to uh, uh, to get a win between them. They've only had the one win for the year. Mernda's win coming against Reservoir. Old Altham have had uh, the draw, but not to, not yet recording a win. And then, of course, the game we spoke about a few moments ago, the pick of the bunch, Panton Hill at home to Heidelberg West. That's a late start, 4.10pm, but an opportunity for both sides to uh, to really build their credentials again. Panton Hill, 
they actually lost their last the uh, in fact their last Twilight game yeah that's correct they they lost it to to Lorimer so they've got a point to prove they've had some big wins since but uh, they'd be looking to to really test themselves against a side that's undefeated the last time they played at the venue Panton Hill by 108 points but it's a very different Heidelberg West team that's uh, coming yep. up there this time around yeah that you know that's a huge clash uh, Twilight seems to be a bit of a theme up at uh, the old Panton Hill yeah, Redbacks I, I think it's the last one I think for for this early part of the year but they they do enjoy getting games under lights early in the Season. Yeah, it looks cracking on, on the on the vision as well. And you know, uh you know, Matty Byron up forward is gonna be a huge uh you know uh focus point for Panton Hill and uh the Holderberg West defenders, they're gonna be uh, busy all day as we know like I saw them in round one V um at the Alton Collegians and you know uh, all they the, the that really functioning midfield and, and forward line, they're gonna have their work cut out and you know if, in- if they bring their best Holderberg West you just never know, but they're going to have to be on their A game. Yeah, well, they, they can't afford a slow start like they had. I mean, you, you compare the, the quarter, the first quarters from the previous week. Panton Hills kicked ten goals to Murders three. Heidelberg West was one goal to three down. They they can't afford a slow start, so they need to be right in the pace. I mean, on a week by week, we generally do mention Maddie Byron and Reese Borden. They're in great form. Maddie Byron's in the top five in the coaches MVP voting. Reese Borden's got seven goals uh, in his last game, so they're in good form. Um, but Heidelberg West, I mean, this is arguably their biggest game in, in, in some time. Obviously, they're now a genuine finals threat. Could become a, a, a real premiership threat if they can win this one. And leading into the game, we caught up with their coach, Cam Van Florestein, as he went through what's ahead for Heidelberg West as they make the trip to Panton Hills AE Cracknell Reserve. Cam, thank you for joining us. Obviously, it's been a, a great start to your time at Heidelberg Park. Five and zip, second on the ladder. How have you found your, your first, uh, I guess, uh, two months or so in the Northern Footy Netball League? Um, yeah, it's been a good transition, as, probably as a coach, um, not so much as a player. But um, no, I can't complain when we're five and zero. So it's been it's been a good result as a club as a whole because we're the resi hasn't got down either, and I think their percentage is fairly good. With uh, in terms of, of coming across, obviously the, the club for probably um, up until the last two years had really battled over the past uh, decade or so, and and started to, to really climb the ladder in, in recent years. You, you took over at a time where they were obviously striving to uh, get to finals. Uh, you must be really impressed with the start they've made under yourself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they want to improve. So we we um, even me coming across. I, I haven't brought too many players. We brought Billy Wright in and. Um, Ben Fogarty, and that's about it. And so it's just, it probably came down to a really big and probably hard pre-season and trying to get enough buy-in from the players. And I think we, we've got it at the moment and there's obviously pressure on spots. So I think that goes a long way in what we're trying to do as a club. I'm just, I mean, just looking at the, the game on the weekend, obviously you, you took on Old Eltham, had a slow start. You're down by three goals in, in the first quarter, but then the side was, was really able to, to change the tide of things. Do you think that that's a sign of, of the side that now knows how to win games of footy, whereas maybe 12, 24 months ago they, they maybe drop a game they're, they're probably expected to win? Um, yeah, probably a bit of belief in the group has probably grown week to week. Uh, I thought Old Eltham, they probably set up pretty well around the footy, and I thought they'll probably take a scalp soon in, in how they've been going in their results. So we, we had to be on our toes. So they, they did. They, they had the first few scoring shots and came out pretty hot. And then us coming off the bye. Um, uh, uh, yeah, we went slow. I think they were just probably... that They wanted... They hunted the ball a bit more. So it was us. And then, to our credit, we fought back and then 
um, took a, a win at the end of the day, so it was good. Uh, obviously, um, the, the side's still jelling together, but, but wins like you have in, in round three when you come from you know five goals down against uh, South Morang away from home as well, they must be character building and, and really set the side up for, for the start of the year that you've, that you've had. Yeah, definitely. That was, that was definitely the best win that we've had. Oh, like, you know, away from home, uh, sort of up against it, we're, you know, five and a half goals down, I think, in the third. Uh, and just, I think it, it makes it all worthwhile when the boys start fighting back and, like, you know, the back line's yelling as a group, the team's sort of all coming together. And to get those sort of wins, it, it's crucial. So, and I think any win now at the start of the year, just, it's just going to go a long way. Yeah, obviously last year the side, I mean, I know you weren't there, but started Norton 3 and really had to, to chase wins thereafter. But uh, to get this 5 and, and 0 start, you've really set a, a massive platform for yourselves building forward for, for the remainder of the year. Yeah, we have. Look, as, I think it's uh, probably with the reserve coach, um, Nick, and the other assistants that we've got in John Keenan and um, Sean Kelly, we've sort of set up and we've, we've made some outlines where we want to be and what we want to achieve. And we, we've ticked a few boxes early. And I think if we can just keep on that, we sort of try and look at it as week to week. Um, but we don't want to set our eyes too far ahead. So it's a week to week thing. And obviously this week's a pretty big game for us going forward, uh, both seniors and reserves. So we just try and put our best foot forward each week and then um, just try and build something together. Well, that actually leads me into my next question. Obviously, it's a, a really big one. You're in second position. You're taking on Panton Hill, uh, who are obviously gunning to, to get into the top two themselves with a win. It, it very well may be the biggest game that the, the club's played in, in quite some time. Obviously, the fact that if you can win this one, you, you really get some separation uh, inside the top two. It's, it's a massive occasion uh, against a side that's been really well performed over the past 12 to 18 months. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be really big for the club, and hopefully this week. See, I think over the last sort of four or five weeks, we've had a lot of changes. We've had you know three to five changes each week, so we're only hoping to have maybe one change this week um, to to go forward. And so hopefully that can sort of steady us up, and we can try and find a bit of the rhythm and. Um, hopefully try and knock off Panton Hill over there. And it, it sets up, obviously, a, a really big month for the club as well. Uh, following uh, Panton Hill, you, you travel to Lorimer, who's obviously in, in first position, and, and then take on South Morang, who's in, in the four as well. So your next three weeks, you come up against those sides who, who are currently in the top four with yourselves. It's a, it's a really big month of footy that can really set a platform going forward. Yeah, it could. It could. So, like, yeah, like, we'll, like we'll try and just assess this week and then... Um, we, we don't want to look too far ahead because then we'll probably come unstuck and then we become out of place um, as, as coaches and that sort of stuff. So really our big focus is trying to start well this week and just try and really um, just cement our spot up there, up the top of the ladder, you know, in, in, in the top four and, and making sure that we can knock off those teams. So if it comes of it later in the year and finals are there and we know that we can beat it. You obviously started uh, on a personal note, you started the the, seat, uh, the year in the side, obviously played in round one, haven't featured again. I noticed you played on, in the twos on the weekend. Uh, how do you find the difference from, from coaching from the sideline as opposed to, to physically being out there on the ground itself? Um, yeah, I just I had a bit of an unfortunate injury in about probably 15 minutes into round one, but uh, it's part of footy, so it probably opened the avenue of just coaching um, so it, it's been good, it's been good, but I'm, I think I'm pretty good to go this week. So moving forward, I'll, I'll have to go back and you know um, just try and start this again, like like we were planning to, to do at the start of the year. But like I've, I've got some really good assistance, um, some older heads 
on the bench and they'll run it really well when I'm playing anyway. So I've got huge faith in what they do. Who have you seen as, as the key players in, in driving the side to the, the five and zero start of the year that you've had? Uh, well, I think like Jared and Ben, their co-captains, they've been training and you know Ben only came back into the team against Laylor, so he's only played two games, but both of them have been really good. Um, Asaki's trained, the way he trains is just uh, really professional. And then Jared's, Jared's been good as well. Even uh, Blake Manton, a fullback, he, he hasn't, I think he might have missed one session or two sessions of the whole preseason and up until now. So I, I think um, just, just getting them to know where they're at and getting the boys to try and get their mates to train and has been massive for us. So we, we got Billy right across and I don't think he had too much senior um, exposure and then sort of he kicked five goals from the midfield on the weekend so I just think if we show a bit of faith in some players it will, it will go a long way. Yeah well it actually kind of leads me into to my next one you, you mentioned obviously the list itself there hasn't been a major turnover and that you haven't brought a, a heap in but obviously to have a player like Billy kick five at the weekend in, in a best on ground performance um, I think Ben Fogarty was probably best on when you, you came from behind to beat South Ring. you must be impressed with the, the input that those new faces to the club are able to have particularly in big games as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really good for them because they can settle in um, to the new club. But Billy's like an old piece of furniture at the club because he's played with a lot of the boys before. So he's, um, he's yeah, he's fitting in quite well. And then Ben, because Ben's the assistant with me, um, it, it's, yeah, it, it's been good. And he was good again on the weekend with a few big clearances, same as Masaki um, when we needed him. So they, they have stood up when we when the pressure's been on. Well, Cam, we appreciate your time in joining us on the NFNL podcast. Obviously, it's been a great start to the year. Uh, we wish you all the very best in, in the upcoming game up against Panton Hill this Saturday. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Great to hear from Cam Van Florestine ahead of his side's important trip to AE Cracknell Reserve to take on the Panton Hill Footy Club. Senior women's football returns this weekend where we've got three divisions in action. Grading has now completed, so the sides have been broken up into their respective competitions and we'll go through the sides competing in each of those. In ANZ Division 1 women's, it's Bendigo Thunder, Diamond Creek Women's 1, Darabin 1, West Preston Lakeside, Montmorency 1, VU Western Spurs 1 and Bandura who will compete in the top flight in 2019. In MC Security Division 2 Women's, we've got Darabin Falcons 2, Altham South Morang, VU Western Spurs 2, Heidelberg, Diamond Creek Women's and St Mary's making up that 17 competition and there's eight sides competing in Mervac Division 3 women's including Montmorency 2, VU Western Spurs 3, Hurstbridge, Lorimer, Wallen, Reservoir, Mernda and Greensboro. So VU Western Spurs having a side in each of those three divisions. The fixtures for this week's games are now on the NFNL website. So grading completed and now we get into the hustle and bustle of the competitive season. Obviously sides keep their points from, from grading but now the sides are in their actual respective divisions and um, it all kicks off again this Sunday. So do get to the NFNL website for all of those fixtures. Also back to netball we have a, all, the, all the 12 sections in action this Friday. Sections 1 to 4 didn't play last week but all of those 
are in action this weekend. So again, get to nfnl.org.au for all the fixtures for sections 1 through to 12 for this Friday night. And finishing the show this weekend, uh, we have a look ahead to the upcoming AFL Victoria Metro Junior Championships where the NFNL's six junior representative sides, two in the under-14 boys, two in the under-15 boys and two in the under-15 girls will take on the best juniors from around the metropolitan area, as we said, as part of the Metro Junior Champs. So the first game to be played next Wednesday, that is, of course, the 29th of May across a a range of venues. The fixture to be released very soon on those as we just await final confirmation on some venues, but that will be published on the NFNL website. So those games to be played on the 29th, Wednesday, the 29th of May under lights, and then continuing over the Queen's birthday weekend on Saturday, June the 8th, and Monday, June the 10th. So we wish all of our junior stars the very best in those. The final squads are on the NFNL website, but ahead of those three round-robin games, we have caught up with the NFNL Junior Representative Coordinator Rick Legasic, who's just given us an insight into how the sides have prepared for the junior champs and what's in store for them over the next month. Here's Rick Legasic. Rick, it's obviously an important time on the junior calendar. We are moving into the AFL Victoria Metro Junior Championships. The NFNL will have six sides in action, uh, two under-14 boys teams, two under-15 boys teams, and two under-15 girls teams. How are the sides all shaping ahead of the opening round of games next Wednesday? Samuel, the, um, they've, been, they've come to a head now, and it, uh, it's just interesting how it looks in the last few days, quite simply because the, it's obvious that the skill level is there. It's been a, a long process, but there's some skill and game sense, uh, a lot of awareness things that are going on You could, that are obvious to see from standing back uh, from the, in the middle of the ground, just seeing how they're performing. It's quite good to see. It's a, it's, it is the sharp end, but it's certainly the sharp end of the, the talent pool, I suppose, too. I guess uh, before we be going to I guess the nuts and bolts of it, a, a lot of people from the outside always query as to how sides get um, put together or how players get nominated for the program. Can you just give an insight into into what it takes in the first place to gather a, a squad of players for each of the age groups and then working your way through those squads to get to your final 26 for each of those teams? It is. It's hard. It is hard work. It, um, it starts with a, a, a call from the NFNL to, uh, to various clubs to nominate particular players, or their their coaches to nominate, or their footy coordinators to nominate. Um, and out of that, we have some uh, boys or girls uh, arrive for a session or a discussion and so on. And uh, um, and from there, they're sort of all sort of eyes of eyes, uh, yeah, peeled right open and really uh, a little bit stunned, thinking, "Oh, terrific! I've been there." Um, we also, our coaches have also combed through um, the, the rounds and the results from the, the previous season and seen uh, how the votes have gone and certainly how the goal kickers have gone. And we try and look for those kids as well. We've probably got to do that a little better in, in resourcing because there's uh, some kids we've found that have got some talent and just have been, been missed. But certainly the selection process has been really good. I, I, um, I set some standards in terms of training and, uh, and what we want out of the... Um, out of the players and certainly the coaching and the session plans. But also, um, we were looking, we, it was very loose sort of base, but we sort of set roughly a selection process would be 30% based on skill, um, about 30% on character. And that's a critical component, I think. There'd be a percentage, and we sort of estimated about 20% on uh, game uh, practice game performance, uh, another percentage on um, 
participation at training and another percentage, a, a smaller one, I suppose, would be the X factor. Um, we figured that if uh, we had some players that were quite good, uh, maybe lacking some skills that had great character, they might be the ones who might um, uh, go looking and develop their skills further. So that was, wasn't really hard and fast the best players, it was the quality players um, overall. It was been a, a really laborious process. We've stuck to that a little uh, pretty well and um, a little bit's been, been varied. But I think um, to the coaches' credit, they've been fabulous in their assessment. They've been detailed, they've been really careful and mindful of what's going. And then more importantly, every single one of them has had a focus on development for the kids. Um, it's been great to see. I'm pretty pleased with the way they've gone about it. For many players, particularly the under-14s, it's the first step into a, a junior talent pathway. Uh, how important is it for them? You mentioned they're, obviously you're looking for players of, of great character, but how important is it from, from here for those players to you know, develop their, their values and standards which will hold them in good stead, hopefully as they go and, and progress through future talent pathways? With them, um, it's it's the, the first time of experience. Um, we probably need to ex- look at close, look closely at the development of a, a couple of ages younger. But with those, we've been very careful about how we've um, how we've assessed them, and we've tried to give them as much information as we can to what to improve. So if someone misses out, and if I say Samuel, I'll tell you, you haven't made it this time round. But there's nothing wrong with the way you've been playing. You might need a point of difference to get you above and beyond um, the player next year. And we've given them some guidelines uh, of what to go and work on. For example, they might be an inside mid, so they need to have really fast hands. So, um, so we get them to work on their, their their explosive first two or three meters, and maybe their their speed with their hands. So those sorts of things. So something specific to where they might be playing. Um, but a little, we've gone a little broader in some cases because. We don't know when these kids are going to stop growing, so they need to play in other positions around the ground. So some little cues as to, to how they would play in certain positions as well, just to give them a point of difference from the others. Um, and then the lessons they've learned, hopefully they've taken them back to their club, maybe spread that back through their teammates, and uh, and hopefully um, some of the coaches have picked up on some sort of development path that have seen out of the kids that have come back, and uh, maybe try and capitalise on it. Obviously, it's a, it's a long process. Some of those squads have been trialling from pre-Christmas last year. We're, we're now only a week out. How do you go in terms of managing the, the players, their mindset and their excitement levels? Obviously, it's been a long process and hard work's gone into making each of those uh, cuts to, to get into the final side. But now that we're right on the eve of, of those games, uh, the first round of games next Wednesday, how do you go in terms of uh, managing those excitement levels for the players so that they're in the right mindset uh, going into the first they game? They are the right mindset. Yeah, right from the outset, um, we said uh, many of you are going to be disappointed, um, but you shouldn't be um, down in the dumps over it because there'll be things we can give you to go away with. Um, those who've got through to this end of the program have understood that along the way, so they've seen some kids be delisted along the way, so they realise they certainly do realise that they've done something special to remain, um, uh, and and that's been good for them. So that's got them a little bit of excitement, but it's been tempered a little. Quite because, quite simply because they, there's always that chance you may not make it. Um, at this point, now that the final selections have been made, um, I reckon that uh, sometimes we look at it as coaches and sometimes as parents. We don't give enough credit to our kids of that age to be able to make decisions. And I think they're making good decisions as a, as a group, but certainly the individuals as well, um, about what's required and what's necessary, you know, what the next step might be. Um, it's really good to see that develop in the kids. It's been a, a, um, a good education for me. I really like, really enjoy that sort of um, 
involvement in seeing them develop and change. And, and I think, um, I think all credit to them. They're dealing with it properly. They're pretty excited about it, but they're being, they're, they've measured what they need to do. They're, they've been quite, quite, um, um, tempered in their, in what they need, what's required of, uh, sorry, what's required at training and, and on game day. So that they know that they've got to be high intensity, high activity, um, at, at, uh, at their, in their training attitude. And hopefully that'll take it into a game. So I reckon it just all that development stuff has just kept them, um, in tow a little, um, with, with measured excitement. I, I, all credit to them. I, I, I think they've done well for themselves, let alone with the assistance of the coaches. On, on game day itself, um, what, are you, what are you looking for on game day? What do you, I guess, measure success by? Is it the result or is it particular things within the game that you're looking for particular players to, to I guess, get a, a measure of, of how successful the program is? Well, funny, it's, um, if, if you win a game, you look back and say, you know, we did well. Um, I try and remove myself a little bit from that sometimes. Um, and I can see some development. And when you get to watch them closely and have to sort them all out in terms of development... Um, if I see one change in one particular player in one particular event, I'll think, okay, we've done our job there. It, um, it, we, we, we're there to do that sort of thing. So we want to have them make contested marks. We want to have them really quick in their hands. Um, we want that sort of off the ball running. Um, and it, that player may not um, get all the possessions and he may not cause the win, but I've, I think we've done well. That player has developed some off the ball running that'll, that'll uh, help his development as well. Um, the girls, in terms of uh, their development, is important about kicking, and it's been great to see their kicking development um, uh, through this um, this period, if you like, you know, from about February, March onwards. Uh, I reckon that's how we measure it. We'll be excited by the scoreboard if we if we end up on top of it, um, but you know, I think I'll be just as excited by the development in one or two individuals, and then one or two individuals here, another two over there, and um, I, I, I'm. I, I do a little bit of an internal moonwalk when I see something good done by a player who hasn't done that before. Uh, obviously, the games themselves. So we play uh, next Wednesday, all uh, six sides uh, in action, and then over the Queen's birthday weekend on the Saturday and on the Monday. The competition itself has, I guess, just changed direction a little bit. Uh, previously, the sides in Division 1, which uh, the NFL is, is currently one of those leagues in Division 1, uh, played off in grand finals, but uh, that's been stripped back this year. It's just back down to a, a, a round-robin competition. Obviously, given the yeah. fact that we play on, on the Wednesday and, and also then on the, the long weekend, when there aren't any other juniors in action, we'd love to see as much support as possible to, to really get behind those, those boys and girls representing the league on, on those particular dates. I think um, it's really important that uh, even if it's not only parents get their um, interested parties of the competition, people who just like a little bit of footy and sees to and see some development in kids. Um, that's what's coming in the next few years, um, and it's uh, it, it's going to highlight the league. Um, it, there's a few gra- a few few games to spread across, and they're certainly spread across the city a little. Um, but get to a, a two or three of them because you have sort of two or three days to go and see something. And it is quality standard football. It's um, the uh, these are the best of our region playing against the best of other regions. So you've got to expect that um, the standard of the footy is going to be great. And uh, and you'll be you'll be able to say to yourself in a few years' time, I was at that game when I saw that kid do that, who's now just been drafted. 
Absolutely. Um, that, that, that's the exciting part. Yeah, and we've, we can certainly uh, vouch for that. We've seen a, a few in, in recent years go on and, and now applying their trade at that AFL level. We've had a, a really good record. Many of those players coming directly out of uh, representative programs at the under-14 and under-15 level. Rick, we really appreciate your time. We wish you all the very best for the weeks ahead and, and all those players that are donning the NFNL jumper. We do hope that you enjoyed the experience and uh, you've done yourselves proud and we really wish you the, the very best of luck over the, uh, the month to come at the uh, 2019 AFL Victoria Metro Junior Championships. Really appreciate your time. Rick Lugasic. Good on you, Stan. Thank you, mate.